Well, before we look at today's text, let's remind each other of the gospel by quoting John 3.16, then join with Christians all over in praying the Lord's Prayer. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Acts 17, verse 10. As soon as it was night, the brothers and sisters sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Upon arrival, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. The people here were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Consequently, many of them believed, including a number of prominent Greek women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul at Berea. They came here too, agitating and upsetting the crowds. Then the brothers and sisters immediately sent Paul and Silas, Paul to go to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed on there. Then those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens after receiving instructions for Silas and Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible, they departed. The title of my message is The Importance of Your Relationship with the Bible. Let me make a statement that I believe in the bottom of my heart. Your relationship with the Bible is a barometer to to your spiritual condition. Your relationship with the Bible is a barometer to your spiritual condition. Last week, I mentioned to you the American Bible Society every single year produces the results of a survey they do with Gallup. And the survey this year showed that now in America, we're down to just 20% of America's population that believe the Bible is actually the Word of God. Uh, The 80% believe it's either fairy tales or part of it might be true, but only 20% of America. Well, some of the other things that came up in the survey that's just being released is this. We had the largest single decrease and the number of Americans who ever read the Bible in the past year. You would think that after a pandemic, people might turn to the Bible more. It seems that we're turning less. Uh, Now only 39% of America's population have this last year picked up a Bible to read any of it. Now the previous year, it was 49%. So we had that incredible drop in one year. That means 61% of Americans will never pick up a Bible this year to read any portion of it. Now, let me share with you my own experience. I became a Christian just before I turned 15, was on fire, witnessed, even did some preaching as a 15-year-old. But I found that my spiritual life was a roller coaster emotionally. I would have high highs and then have low lows, and there was little consistency. And part of it was, even though I went to church and heard the Bible, even though I went to Bible study and heard the Bible, It was only hit and miss whether or not I would have time alone with God to to listen to God as he speaks to me through the word and pray to him. And that was the way my life was until 1972 when I went off to Valdosta State College. And I decided because I'd heard so many of my friends get blown away in college, I said, that's not going to happen to me. 
So I decided that I would set a time and a place every day to go and do serious Bible studies. So I set, I was living on campus. I set my time as two o'clock in the library every afternoon. Now today, I'm a morning person. In college times, I was not a morning person. When y'all talk about Pastor Steve gets up so early, it didn't used to happen. I was a teenager once. Uh, I remember uh, the navigators who we were with were big about being in the Word, and, and they wanted you to waste no moments of your life. And so my roommate and I, because they'd ask us, what do you do after class? We took a nap after class, so we nicknamed our beds the Word. And so <laughs> we say, what would you do this afternoon? Spend an hour in the Word. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway... Uh, two o'clock was my time and I gave myself a project that freshman year. I decided that I would outline Paul's epistles and learn the content. That was before the practice that you find in Bibles now where they have headings for each paragraph to let you know what's in it. And so by the time I finished my freshman year and I can do it still, I had Taylor test me just a little while ago. If you were to read me a verse in Paul's epistle, I could tell you what chapter that's in because I learned the basic content of the New Testament. So I got off that roller coaster. There are a couple of cliches that are true. Sometimes if you hear a cliche, you say, well, there must be a reason why people say that. This is one of them. The Bible that is falling apart is usually owned by someone who isn't. I think there's truth to that. If you're in the word, you're not going to fall apart. But here's another one. This is a cliche that's true. The Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. I go to the pastor's meeting for the Baptist, church, Baptist churches on Monday mornings. We had a local pastor when we were having our prayer time said he had a good friend of his who was strong Christian, you know, leader in his church, and his wife called him so concerned because in the last few months he's left the faith and is embracing all kind of weird philosophy. And so she was so troubled. Why would he leave the faith? Why would he just go into the, to these radical beliefs? And then she got a hold of his cell phone and found that during that exact same time, he'd been having an affair with a woman. She found the evidence. And so I think what happened to this man was you're not going to be staying in the word if you're having an affair. <laughs> it's going to hit too close to home. Does that make sense? So I better leave the word and find something else to believe in. Well, we have a great example of people who have a strong relationship, a healthy relationship to the Word of God in chapter 17. So I want to, from just a couple of the verses, I want to give you some principles and give you something to help you as you leave, if you'd like it. Uh, so what do we need to do in order to have a strong relationship with the Word of God? I'm going to read again verses 11 and uh, verse 11 first. The people here were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica since they received the word of God with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They received the word of God with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if they were so. So here we've got this great passage that says these are noble Christians because of their relationship with the Word of God. So let me give you several thoughts from just those thought words. Number one, we first need to receive the Word of God. It said they received the Word with eagerness. The, the Greek word that's used there for receive is paralambano. Lambano means to receive and para means alongside. And what it means is literally you take God's Word and you pull it in close and you put it right by you as you walk through life. Now, can I tell you something I've seen in 
Southern Christians for a long time. In the South, we used to have stronger attendance of people came. They called themselves Christians. But what I found was there was a lot of compartmentalization going on in life. You had people that on Sunday, they were Christians. Put on their good church clothes, went there, got their Bible out, came. And then when they worked to work on Monday, nothing they heard on Monday was applied to what they did on uh, Sunday was applied to what they did on Monday in business. I've even heard businessmen say something like this. Well, church is church and business is business, as if there's no connection between the word of God and what you do in your workplace. And then, of course, there's always those who went to church on Sunday and then they party on Friday and Saturday night. And what they hear on Sunday has no connection with what they do on Friday and Saturday night in their entertainment life. What we've got to do is bring it close. So, so I, I want to take what I'm hearing and I want, to, I want it to be a part of every area of my life. When I was a youth minister back in the middle 70s, we had a, a man in the church who was one of the, a great supporter of the youth ministry. He had a swimming pool in the backyard. And so I was being a youth minister. We had about 40 kids in the youth group. He let me have, uh, during the two summers that I was there, he let us have his house on Tuesday mornings from 9 to 12. And I would do a Bible study by the pool and then the kids got to swim. I mean, can you imagine that? Uh, kids running back and forth in his house with wet bathing suits. He just was that kind of gracious person. The other thing that he did was he hired our teenage boys to have jobs. He ran a construction company, and he would give them summer jobs. But I began to notice that whenever our boys were hired by him, they never came back to church. So finally, I came and talked to one of the boys who dropped out of church. I said, tell, tell me what, because he's one of our deacons. He was one of the ones that said the, the prayer before the offering. Back in the day when we used to have a deacon say a prayer before you took up the offering plate. And I said, why did you drop out? He said, well, Mr. Jimmy's a different person in church than he is at work. You ought to hear his language. You ought to see the way he acts. And that drove them away because here's a man who compartmentalized his life. The second thing that we ought to do as far as our relationship with the Bible is to receive it as the word of God. In verse 13, when the Jews from Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul at Berea, they came there too. See, it's the word of God that we have before us. Can I give you a, a reference? Now, just before he came to Berea, he was in Thessalonica. He almost immediately turned around and wrote his letter to the, to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. So look at chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians, the first, about the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. This is why we constantly thank God, because when you received the Word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as, as it truly is, the Word of God, which also works effectively in you. He says, can I tell you what I'm so grateful that you accepted the Bible as the word of God. You did, so this is not the word of man. This is nothing less than the word of God. In liberalism, those who have a more, quote, liberal approach to the Bible, what they teach is the Bible is a book like any other book, and so you can just treat it like you want. You take the critical tools, and you say, I think Paul might have written this. He didn't write that. Moses didn't write that. And you go, then you treat it like any other book. And in fact, there's a term for that called higher criticism. I was exposed to that when I went to a liberal Baptist college in the mid-70s. I chose to go to seminary all the way to Texas because it was known as one of the only conservative ones we had. So uh, I drove that far. My first week of class, I went into missions. Dr. Jack Gray had a big old Bible. 
knowing that I'd for two years been bombarded with, quote, higher criticism of the Bible. And this is what he said. I'll never forget it. Holding his Bible like this. He said, gentlemen, we don't criticize this book. It criticizes us. So here, we don't stand over the Bible. We humbly say, this is the word of God. I'm going to listen to God. Now, what, is it, what are the implications if it's the word of God? That means I can't do cafeteria-style picking with the Bible. Uh, by the way, JNS has reopened. Hallelujah. I ate there yesterday in Asheville. Not the one here at the airport, the one in Asheville. But I love cafeterias. I was there with my peers, nobody younger than me in the entire place. You go through the cafeteria, I want some of that. I want, no, I don't want that. Want some of that? Want some of that? And that's the way a lot of people treat the Bible. Oh, peace. I'll take peace. Oh, give me some. Uh, forgiveness, a bunch of that, but double portion. Heaven, want that. Service, don't think I'll touch that. Giving, don't think I'll touch that. And we treat the Bible like a cafeteria. If it's the word of God, God himself. Then we've got to pay attention to it. We've got to let it have that proper place. When you treat the Bible as the word of God, that's one practical way that you can give God his rightful place in your life. My wife left after church last Sunday. She'll return hopefully tomorrow. We've had a grandchild born, our 14th, and she's been there to help them out. You can pray for her strength. It's a lot of sleepless nights. Um. She called me yesterday and she said, and I could tell she hadn't slept in a while and she was at a breaking point. She said, I just got to get home soon. I got to get away from, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, she loves her grandkids, but we have had weeks of it. And she says, I just need normal time. And so I just sat there and listened to her. Well, one of the things that makes it a little more tolerable because as Karen is going off being a traveling Nana, we get to stay in touch with each other because of the wonder of cell phones. Now, the young people won't know this, but there used to be a time when you had to pay long distance to talk to somebody. And now long distance doesn't exist, so you can have constant contact through cell phones. Well, I'm sure you've heard me speak of my love for my wife, and I will say something you've heard me say before. My number one earthly relationship, now this is apart from my relationship with God, my number one earthly relationship is with my wife. Now, having said that, suppose Karen's been gone all this week, and every time it rang, I just went, dismiss, dismiss, dismiss. Wouldn't that be hypocritical if I said, my number one earthly relationship is my relationship with my wife and I never answer the cell to hear her heart and to respond to what she is saying. Well, friends, how can we say that we've given God his rightful place if we're not taking time to hear God's word? Number three, we need to test what we hear by the written word of God. He said in verse 11, these were more noble than those at Thessalonica. Because they eagerly heard the word of God and searched the scriptures to see whether or not what we said was so. Did you get the implication for that? Paul said, I like them. They were hungry to hear the word, but they checked me out on everything I said. Whenever I said Jesus is the answer to this, Jesus is the Messiah, they got their Bibles out and they checked it out. They checked me out. Folks, that's what God wants us to do. Everything in our life, need, anything we are claiming to be quote, something we've heard from God, we've got to go check in the written word of God. And by the way, the word scriptures, they search the scriptures. 
That's simply the Greek word for writings. What makes the Bible different, it is the holy writings, but it has the impact of this is something written down. So they went to what was written down and checked Paul out. I remember one time I was in a church and a guy came up to me and said, I'm, God just sent me around to go to churches. I'm an evangelist and, and I was hoping you'd let me preach in the church. And, and I said, well, that's interesting. Tell me, are you married? Well, no, I, God told me to leave my wife. And I said, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Because last time I checked in the Big Ten, <laughs> you're to be faithful to your wife. And so that's, we've got to be careful that we check out by God's word what we think we're hearing on the outside. And folks, one of the things that you've got to be careful for is don't you blindly follow any preacher, including this one. Search me out from the scriptures to make sure that what I'm telling you is square with what is in writing in the Bible. There's a group called the Jehovah's Witnesses, and they come and knock on your door and say, we'd like to come and stay the Bible with you. But let me tell you something about the folks that are in the Jehovah's Witnesses. They're not allowed to read the Bible on their own. They can't just pick up a Bible and start reading it. They have to read the Bible with either a trained teacher with them or using only material produced by the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Watchtower Society. But they can't just pick up a Bible and read it. And in essence, what they're doing is they're not testing what they're being told by looking at the entire scriptures. You can't look it up. You can't open that Bible to any place but where they guide you. So what I've done is I've talked to Jehovah's Witnesses in the past. I've said, basically, you're limiting yourself to the teachings of the founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses, a man named Charles Taze Russell. And here's the thing you ought to think it through. Do you realize that you're, you're betting your soul on somebody not worthy of your trust? You're listening to only those verses he singles out. Can I tell you about Charles Taze Russell? He predicted that Jesus would return in 1874. When that didn't happen, he predicted that Jesus would return in 1914. His wife and he founded uh, the Watchtower magazine, but she later divorced him because of improper contact toward women. There was a Baptist pastor who criticized his teaching, so Russell sued the Baptist pastor for defamation of character, he went to the stand himself, and he had been making the claim that he could read Greek and translate Greek in his teaching. So the defense lawyer for the Baptist pastor asked him, can you read Greek? He said yes. So he reached into his book, his book satchel, pulled out a Greek New Testament, handed it to him, and said, would you just read for us? And it turned out it was Greek to him. <laughs> he didn't know a word of it. And so they're saying, you can't do anything if you're not following up. You've got to have the guidance of our founder, Charles Taze Russell, in order to read. No, just pick your Bible up and read it. Check what anybody else says by what's in writing. And then fourthly, it said they searched the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. I've shared with you how I came to the point where I started being in the Word of God daily and how it changed my life. My wife was raised in a church. But she would share with you uh, good parents, good family. But they were typical of so many Baptist churches. They literally pulled their Bibles off the shelf to go to church and then put their Bibles on the shelf when they came back home. And they weren't touched for a week. So she said, I, I never want, once, when I was raised in my home, saw my mom or dad read the Bible outside of being in a church building, never just to meet with God. So she did not have a strong uh, relationship with God's Word. Just before we got married, she was living for just a brief while 
with her parents in Asheville at Merriman Avenue Baptist Church with Billy Klein. And they went to a Sunday night service, and Billy pulled something on him. He says, everybody's to go into the, to, I want you to march, and we're going down to the fellowship hall downstairs. And then he had people dressed like they were soldiers. And they said, we're, we're here. The country's been taken over. We're taking your Bibles up. This is an underground church meeting. So everybody had their Bibles taken up. They went down, had the lights turned off, lit candles. And then they asked them to do this. They said, you've had your Bible taken up. That could happen in a communist country. The only Bible you have is the Bible that you brought with you in your heart that you memorized. So we're going to spend the service letting you stand up and share your favorite verses. And Karen sat still and realized she did not know one verse that she could have quoted that night. Well, after we got married, as an 18-year-old pastor's wife, <laughs> and we went took a little country church in Oklahoma, and she got involved in the women's Bible study. And they got, she got around women who loved the Word of God, were in it every day, and, and she caught that. And so I watched her in the first year of our marriage do something that she'd never done in her life, and that was become daily in the Word of God. That survey that has been released said that from 2019 to 2020, there was another precipitous drop. Uh, the number of people, Americans, who said they read the Bible daily went from 14% to 9% from 2019 to 2020. So what we have is we have a lot of people not in the Word of God. But what was interesting in that 2020 study, they asked people, why don't you read the Bible? And I'm going to close with this. They said two reasons they gave for why they don't read the Bible. Number one, they don't have time. Can I encourage you to do this? Make your time where you read the Bible and talk to God in prayer to be a set appointment in your life. If I make an appointment with you, I'm going to be there. So make that an appointment with God. Now, find the time that fits you best. I, I happen to be a very early person in the mornings now. I actually slept into 445 this morning. But, uh, but I love having that quiet of that morning and have my Bible open in my favorite chair. As I said, early on, afternoon was better. For me. Don't you dare say, well, so-and-so gets up and does this, or so-and-so, find what fits you, but make an appointment. And then, secondly, the second question they said, said the second reason why people don't read the Bible in America is because they don't know where to start. And to help you with that, I have sheets in the foyer. I have sheets in the, the Welcome Center and downstairs. And we've, it's got two sides to it. One side, I want you to take that and don't write on it. Go home and we'll find somewhere where you can make copies of it. This is a, a journal that will help you. It has seven days, places for seven days of putting your Bible readings down. And all we ask you to do, this is from the Navigators, is take, a, uh, take the Bible, go a chapter a day, and underline something as you read. Then write down the best thing you underlined. And it's amazing how if you'll just do this simple exercise... That that will keep, because you'll see it's seven days a week and you'll see, did I have a day open? Did I miss something? They tell us that if you go 21 straight days, you've got a habit that's nearly unbreakable. But as far as how do I get started? Where do I start? I wrote some insights myself. I have five things for you that are there and I'm going to read these to you. Number one, remember the Bible is actually a library of 66 books. It is not a book that you read from the beginning to the end. It's a library. You wouldn't go down Washington Street to the library and start reading the first book on the left and read your way through the library. When you go to the library, you go for what you need. 
Well, new Christians need to master the New Testament first. The first four books of the New Testament are about the life of Jesus. Acts is the story of the early church. The letters are insights on how to live out the Christian life. So you go through there, and my, my suggestion is that you alternate. Aim at reading a chapter a day in your Bible. Alternate what you read. Read a gospel, then read several epistles, then go back and pick another gospel. You see, alternate. And what I have for you, so you'll keep up, so you'll know where you've been, is on the bottom of that page is actually a picture that has each book of the New Testament with numbers, and you can scratch off the chapter that you've written, and you can keep up with where you're at. So that's for there on the bottom. And then remember that 21 days is your first goal, 21 days in a row, and that will give you a strong habit. Now, with that said, there was one bit of encouragement that I got from this sad news about the drop in engagement with the Bible in our country. It said that 67.8% of Americans, or 172 million Americans, are curious to learn more about the Bible. So even though we're down to a small percentage that actually read the Bible, there's still over two-thirds of Americans are curious about the Bible. Can I apply that to our church? Did you notice what we do here at First Baptist? I don't do topics on Sunday morning. That doesn't mean that's not legitimate, but I don't do that. We take a book of the Bible and we go through verse by verse, explain what is happening. Do you realize what you can tell folks is, you know, the latest survey I read is that two-thirds of Americans are curious to know what's in the Bible, and have it explained. That's what we do at our church. Would you like to come and study the Bible here at First Baptist? Because that's what we're going to do here. So that will help us be able to engage that two-thirds that are out there that are still open to the Bible. So I want to encourage you, get the sheet, stick in the Word, keep a strong relationship with the Word of God. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, I put these good people in your hands and pray your blessing on them as they draw near and give you the honor of being their Lord. Lord, I pray that they will honor your word just as, just as a way to show that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.